Welcome back. This week on the podcast, I talk with Amber Michaels. She is the founder of the Peace of Mind Project, and this started from her journey as a new mom. And as the weeks and months went by when she was a new mom, she realized there was no support for her. There was nowhere she could go for as a community for these moms to help each other with what they were going through. Um, it could be depression. It could be body changes. It could be um, dealing with, you know, your significant other, all these different things in your life. And she had nowhere to go. So since then, she has been on a mission to change this. And through that, she started the Peace of Mind Project, where she does maternity and postpartum mentoring. She does nanny placement. And then she's also starting what is called the Lighthouse Effect where moms can come together in a community and bond over these experiences. And it's really amazing what she's doing. From a guy's perspective, I thought it was incredible to learn um, what women go through and what she went through so we can better support our significant others if that time ever comes. So I thought it was an extremely important conversation, very educational. Um, so guys and girls out there, get your notebooks ready. But um, before we get into the conversation... We got to talk about engineered sleep, just like we talk about with Amber today. Sleep is something that's incredibly important for the mood and the energy levels for anybody, any given day. And it can all start with your mattress and reach out to the team. Engineered sleep, their main goal is to make finding the right mattress for you as easy as possible. And that's exactly what they do. They have their website, engineeredsleep.com or their showroom in Greenville, South Carolina, Reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep. Use promo code LIVE10 and you'll get 10% off your order. Um, without further ado, here is my conversation with Amber Michaels. Welcome to Live Life in Motion, where the goal is to bring you conversations that give you the power of education so you can use those tools to optimize your life on a personal and professional level to better yourself, your community, and those around you. Amber, thank you so much for joining me today. Jenny, my sister, was telling me about you and what you do. I think it was over Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. and that's when I reached out to you. And we're going to talk about what you do, and I think it's incredibly important. Um, but what's up? How are you? I'm wonderful, and I just thank you so much for having me. This is just very exciting. And, um, well, thank you for coming, of course. And as I think a lot of people's stories mm -hmm. start, or maybe their passion project, their mission, it comes from something personal and it comes from their journey. And I want to start out that way with you Absolutely. because I think your business, as we've discussed, started from your journey. Mm -hmm. So take us through what we're talking about and then how you decided to start your business. Sure. Um, so I have been operating my business that is 1 million percent my passion project that I am just very lucky and fortunate to call a job. Um, when I became a new mom, I had no idea what I was in for. I was always a doer. I always was, you know, if I put my mind to something, I could do it. I had a child and she came and it really knocked the wind out of me. I had never really experienced uh, severe depression before. Mm -hmm. All of the sudden, I had severe postpartum depression. Um, my story is unfortunate because I did try to confide in my daughter's um, pediatrician and my OB, 
and I was told multiple times that it was the baby blues and that I would get over it. Um, that in itself, I mean, I still want, I get emotional when I talk about that because I wonder how many other moms mm -hmm. are in the same boat to where they're kind of made to feel that it's their fault that they're feeling certain feelings. Um, six months into motherhood, I finally found a doctor, got on some wonderful medication and really started to feel like myself again. Um, once that happened, there was a shift in me. It was like this lightning bolt ran through my body. It was like a God, I always say it was a God thing. I felt mm -hmm. like God was like, okay, okay, you have to do something with this. You can't just walk away from it. Um, and that was a very exhilarating yet scary time because I'd always done the safe corporate route and I'd <laughs> always known what I was supposed to do and done a good job, right? So starting a business, how do I start a business? Um, so I, I think I shared this with you before. I started journaling when I was really struggling. So I referred to that journal and that is literally how I built my business plan um, based off of every single struggle that I experienced I would think to myself, there are way more moms out there that mm -hmm. are experiencing this. How do I address these needs? How do I fix this? How do I take care of these women? And also, if you look at my Instagram feed, that is a whole other um, just approach in itself to just normalize being a mom, normalize the struggles, and also encouraging moms to not work against one another because I see that so much, but to work for one another and support each other no matter you know, what stage we're in and how well we are or how bad off we are. Was there a time before you got pregnant or the pregnancy that you had heard of postpartum depression or um, the postpartum blues? Like no. Or none of that? No. And you know, the irony is I'm married to a physician and in, in just with that, I thought, oh, he's a physician. He's not, mm -hmm. you know, a pediatrician or an, or an OB. Um, but I thought, oh my gosh, we've got this. Had never heard of it. I remember being sent home with a bag of things that I would need to get me through the first week and that was it. Was there, what about when you're going through those first six months and you're journaling, did you think this was unique to you? Or how did you start to realize you're not the only one, right, going through this? You know, that is such a great question. I, unfortunately, for the first six months, really holed up in our home and did not reach out to any moms. We were living in Atlanta at the time. We had been living in New Orleans mm -hmm. for six years. So I had no village. I had no support system there. So I really just stayed inside the house. And I did start Googling you know, my feelings. And I did start seeing postpartum depression, which is why, you know, within, well, after those six months, I did start seeking help and I did identify what I thought was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to even be able to identify it because of the lack of support that I was experiencing. What were some of those signs? Or like, what did you think was wrong? Great question. So signs, very common. Mine was anxiety driven. So there is a uh, postpartum depression version of just anxiety. It's called postpartum anxiety. I literally was paralyzed with fear that something would happen to my baby and that I would be the reason that she would not be well. I would uh, visualize me walking up the stairs, falling down the stairs and dropping her. I know that sounds really severe, but if the moms are listening, everyone's mm -hmm. shaking their heads, sipping their coffee going, oh my goodness, yes, yes, I understand that, I felt that. Um, 
I did not feel comfortable leaving the house. I felt as though if I stayed in the home that I could create this false sense of security. I didn't sleep, like literally didn't Mm -hmm. sleep for days on end because I would put my daughter down in her bassinet, which was connected to my bed, and I would worry that she would stop breathing. Um, My husband, thank God, like after month three, obviously, you know, this was his first time too, would start taking her into um, his office, which was in the basement, and he would just watch her so that I could sleep. But that's another really big symptom of postpartum depression, lack of sleep, anxiety, Mm -hmm. just really terrible thoughts. And you're like, what's wrong with me? You know, I know I'm not a bad person, but why am I thinking these? Um, And the inability to emotionally connect with my baby. And that's the hardest thing to talk about because if you know me now with my children, I have a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. I am like hands-on, so emotionally connected. (laughs) I am emotionally connected to my people. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that I'm so proud of. But for those first few months, I was not emotionally engaging with my daughter. And that I think, I I have chills talking about, I think that was the worst part for me. What do you mean you weren't emotionally engaged? When I would look at her, I wasn't feeling love. I wasn't enjoying the interactions with her because I was so scared that something was going to happen to her. Do you remember what you thought those months would be like before having your first baby? Oh, one million percent. I thought that I would have this baby. My birth story would be this miraculous thing I could share with everyone. <laughs> Beauty, right? Unicorns, daisies, all, all of the above. Um, and I thought that I was always, and I am always considered the mom of all of my friends. Mm. I'm the mom. You have a need. You need something. I've got your back. I am so loyal. Like, I am that girl, Mm -hmm. right? I love my people. I take really good care of my people. So I thought that will absolutely translate into being a mom. That's what I thought. Um, I thought that breastfeeding would be a dream. It was terrible. Um, I ended up using formula, I think, month three and on. Um, Yeah, I just thought it would be what you see in the movies. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of things in life, it's not like that. Right when reality hits, it's, it's, so it's a lot different. It's so true. <clears throat> Do you remember what your husband was? You know how y'all were interacting during that time. Was he starting to be aware of you know like a change in you? Was mm-hmm. there something? Yes, there was a moment. There was a moment that he'll still tell you if you asked him. Um, when I feel not well, insecure, rattled, I get very angry. I'm not a crier. So I was just angry. I was angry at the situation. I was angry at him. He just started his first job out of fellowship, so he wasn't around. Mm -hmm. So that was like a whole ball of wax in itself. And he will tell you this. There was one night when I was bringing Livy, my daughter, down the stairs, and I started sobbing. And he was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. She's not well. Like he could just tell. It was like a buildup. Um... And that in that moment, he made me sit down and he said, don't take this the wrong way. I think you need to get some help or like, I can help you, but you can't do this on your own. That's another thing that moms try to do. We all try to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. We think we don't need help. We feel really bad for asking for help, even from our spouses, which is so ridiculous. (laughs) That's what we should be here for. (laughs) Right? 
but it's such the polar opposite and it's so you know another thing i preach is like ask for help pay for the help if you can afford it give your husband the bottle give your husband the baby mm -hmm. but that's not in our dna that's not in our makeup so you know i think i never asked for help and it just built up and yes he saw me and he will remember that for the rest of his life just that look of grief almost on my face i was grieving for what i thought i was supposed to be doing and the experience that i thought i was supposed to be having and you know what that's <clears throat> i don't know your husband but i feel like that could even be a rarity to have a support like that in your husband because i'm sure there's plenty of moms out there that their husband doesn't you know never recognizes it they don't know what they're going through it's very new to them too that's a very good point and i think that that happens a lot um and it's no fault of their own most of the time mm -hmm. before covid i presented um a lot i would go to ob offices mostly i would go to some um, pediatricians offices in greenville and i would host couples like just a couple session so there would be mm -hmm. like 20 people 10 couples and i would run through baby planning and i would run through like what to expect when the baby comes home what to expect from your wife and the last thing i always said was if your wife is not thriving you're not thriving if the wife if the mom is not thriving the baby's not thriving the husband sure as hell is not thriving mm -hmm. so it's your job husband to be on top of your wife and even if she pushes you away it's your job to make sure that she's okay because you're her only touch point every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that in itself is talked about enough. With um, with your signs we talked about, are there any other signs that happen during postpartum depression or, or it could be depression? I mean, I think if you think about, you know, the ones I mentioned are pretty severe and they I think they can catch a lot of women off guard. A lot of women will experience literally the inability to get out of bed. Mm -hmm you know, waking up, not feeling like they can get out of bed. That's a really, really common and, and very obvious sign that something's wrong. I loathe the term baby blues. I loathe it. I genuinely do not believe in baby blues. I believe that if someone is at your doctor's office and they're saying something's wrong, believe them. Mm -hmm. You know, put them on something. Put them on a Zoloft. Put them on a Prozac. Put them on a Wellbutrin. Um, but I think, you know, getting, not being able to get out of bed is one. I think the anxiety is very common, very, very, very common to where you literally are not functioning at all during the day because your nerves are so shot. So by the end of the day, you're exhausted, um, crying, excessive crying. Your hormones change a lot. And I'd say make, you know, a little bit of, space for that um that happens to i think most women most moms but if the crying doesn't stop that's when again you need to start really looking inward and just leaving your home and asking for help what about <clears throat> the body changing <sighs> i just posted something about this yesterday um i mean we could we could have a, a separate podcast about this in itself i think for a lot of women when they do have a baby and their body's swollen and their boobs are engorged with the milk and they're unable to get their body back, that is something that can create a lot of depression. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's not something that we talk about because if you look at Instagram, what do we see? These... We see these women. And again, 
I could go on a tangent about this because it's just not fair and it's not kind, mm-hmm. but we see these women that have the baby and literally the next week are buttoning up their size two jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there is a false narrative out there that everyone's built the same and that, you know, when they have that baby, if they do A, B, C, and D, they're going to get their body back. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say to clients, this is a new <laughs> journey. This is a new body. This is new skin you're in. This is a new brain. This is a new heart. Everything grows. Everything grows. It doesn't exclude your body. Your body grows. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you go up, you know, a gene size or you don't get your body back. Give yourself time. But unfortunately, um, you know, if you open your door and you look into the world, what you're seeing is something that's really not that attainable yeah, it's not realistic and, and sustainable you know i think you have to be happy um and fulfilled and healthy in order to nurture yourself more importantly than any anything anyone else and obviously nurturing your baby too one of the <clears throat> many ways like social media and stuff can cause a lot of issues in the brain and the body and the mind and um going back to your journey yes. and your story you're six months in and you say, all of a sudden you think it's a God moment, right? You have... It was a God moment. And again, <laughs> chills when you even say that out loud. And then, so you, you're like, all right, I'm going to make my mission to help as many moms as I can or, you know, whatever it was going yeah. through your brain. What do you do next? What do I do next? Well, from the journaling, um, I almost hired someone to help me write a business plan. And I think that that's a very smart thing to do. However, I did not do that. (laughs) So I hired someone to work on my logo. I hired a website developer, designer. Um, But you had in mind what you wanted to do. So when you say like it's a God moment, when I say it's a God moment, like it's literally like a floodgate opened and everything just was so clear. And when you talk to people that have these similar experiences, It's like the minute that you decide to be true to yourself and your mission, because we all have a mission, it doesn't have to be a business, but the minute that you connect with God and you understand the assignment, right? (laughs) I think that if you're open to it, the universe is going to give it. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed that. So the name came easy to me. The website came easy to me because the services were really based around keeping mom's heads above water. I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive. Um, And so with that said, I built the website. We moved to Greenville. What I didn't know about Greenville at the time was it can be very selective in who they allow into their circle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was so enticing to me. And appealing to me because it was a like it was a competition like oh, yeah. oh okay okay um, and so we started doing baby planning well I started doing baby planning and what is baby planning yeah so I don't do it anymore that much I mean I'll do it if I'm asked to do it but my clients a lot weren't in Greenville they were a lot of virtual clients in the beginning um, we're first time moms a lot of like corporate a lot of physicians you know women that don't have the time to like just sit around and, pl- and plan for the baby. So I would literally, I would give them a quiz, like a lifestyle quiz, like where do you live? Do you live in a high rise or do you live in the burbs? What kind of car do you drive? 
how important it is is it to you to have the nicest of nice or, or are you just trying to like you know stay within a budget and we would do all of these questions and then I would literally plan their registry for them and so when their baby shower happened their registry was already done and it was obviously like a collective um, experience but for the most part I kind of drove where the registry was going to go the mom would have the baby I would help them you know pack to take the bag to the hospital when the mom would bring the baby home um, if they needed a few resources um, you know, if they needed a nanny or if they needed a cleaning lady, mm -hmm. if they needed research done on schools, on daycares, I did all of it. Wow. And I loved it. Um, <clears throat> and then I had one client and she's in Greenville that I worked with and she looked at me and I had not done the nanny placement bit. And she said, I know you, you don't do nanny placement, but you've worked with me this whole entire time. Right. And you're the only one I trust can you find me a nanny? And I was like, oh shit, oh no, I don't know about this. You know, I am not a nanny agency. And um, I found her a nanny and it was no longer something that didn't have any like emotion behind it. I saw it for what it was for the first time. I fixed a big need within their household mm -hmm. and she was able to go back to work. So it kind of went from baby planning to nanny placement. The nanny placement we do in Greenville, we do a lot of it virtually, and we are literally at capacity. We've been at capacity. We have like an eight week wait list right now, and that's very common. We've been doing that for like five years. Wow. Yeah, and I have someone that does that for me full time. And is that because the nannies you trust or know are limited or they I think it's a I think it's a um a few things. I think that every market's different. This market <clears throat> is really hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to find the nanny. Um, a lot of the nannies are just passed from family to family and you know, someone has a pulse on that. Well, those are our nannies now. So it took a, a few years for us to get like in, but now we have those nannies <laughs> understanding who our clients are. So that's another thing. We're very selective about who we bring on as clients. Mm -hmm. I'm not in it just to make the money. Never have been. So if I have a client that I don't think would be nice to a nanny or like treat the nanny well, or doesn't want to sure. pay the nanny because we have a minimum that you have to pay a nanny salary hourly before we will even consider working with you. That's actually an amazing point because it's not just about if the nanny's the right fit. No. It's, you could have a mean family. And or... I think, you know, for many na nanny agencies, which again, this is not nothing on them. They're a business. <laughs> they're cranking them out. They're not considering the nanny. They're not the nanny's advocate. Mm -hmm. But we are like first and foremost, like we get to know the nanny. We like personality profile profile them, test them. Same with the family. We give them um, a list of questions. And if we think that they're going to match up and we're like, this family is a really decent family, they're cool with paying them the hourly that we will not just suggest, but you know, really hold firm on. Mm -hmm. By the time the nanny meets the family, the nanny's excited about it because she knows that all her boxes are checked. Mm -hmm. By the time the family meets the nanny, all of their boxes are checked. So it's been really successful because I think that we just put a lot of effort and time into it. That's amazing. And with uh, other services, mm -hmm. you know, was that, so you did the baby planning. Yes. Right? Yes. When did you get into more like therapy or working with families? When did I get into it? I've been in it <laughs> for years. With your friends before that. Well, I mean, even like with this business, it's such a niche business. Like no, no one does what I do. If you look it up online, no one's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so 
with that said, our clients or just women in general who follow me on Instagram, a lot of Instagram followers reach out to me. Um, will just start asking me questions and then I'll start sending them resources because mm -hmm. I've got all of that knowledge, right? And then it would grow into, hey, this is happening. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you think I should approach this? And I was like, not charging for it and kept really doing a lot of with that. Um, so that's, that's kind of like happened over time. And again, like I'm all about the universe. You know, I open the door, I, I'm mm -hmm. waiting to receive it. And I think for the last few years, because that direction has changed so significantly for me with my families, um, this year, actually next month, I will be rolling out like a program, a postpartum empowerment program online that any mom can sign up for and do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me. But also there's a lot of online support as well. Sure. And is that, is that how you work with your past community? The yeah. people you've had as well? Yeah. Ton, a ton of virtual. I used to do house meetings with clients, but I couldn't keep up with that because sure. we just really started having a lot of clients. Thank you, God. Um, and so now a lot, it's, you know, we'll do Zoom calls. I'll do like a check-in if I feel like they need a warm body in their home to just like <laughs> sit, you know, or like hold the baby so they can shower. I love doing that. It's just not something that I have the luxury to do every day. Has there been a, a shift in the community of Greenville? Yes. That you've seen being able to yes. reach out to you? Yes. I love it. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many moms. So my personality, I grew up in Ohio in a very small town. I was raised by like legitimate hippies. So that's how I grew up, right? <clears throat> and I didn't have a filter because I was raised not to have a filter. So take that now, put me in Greenville living in the Augusta Road area, which is so funny to me because I'm, you know, that's just a bubble that I absolutely love, but I don't know if they're used to someone like me. Um, but I think the positive with that is that because I'm so open about everything and honest about my struggles <clears throat> and just so real and genuine in all that is motherhood, I can't tell you how many women I know for a fact would have never opened up mm -hmm. um, or would have never reached out to a friend or spoken about it to a, you know, a group of women. How many women have come up to me and, and said to me, you have given my, me my voice. Like you're letting me know that if you can say it, I can say it in a very nice, non-aggressive way. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do think that there is a shift here and I enjoy seeing that and i enjoy hearing from the women what that <clears throat> made me just think of is you have this community right you mm -hmm. have all these individuals that you're helping and you're working with yes is there going to be a shift where people can start prepping before having the baby like maybe just so when it does come they can be better prepared i love that question but guess what what so if it's your first baby and you're preparing, you really aren't looking for help. You are in this euphoric bubble where you cannot wait to get your hands on all the products and all the things. You can't wait to build your registry. You know which OB and pediatrician you're going to go to because your neighbor next door who you really look up to gave you all of these recommendations. And so that is why my business started where you're recommending, but it's finishing on the side of postpartum. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I can't tell you how many mom groups I've presented to. And I always say this, I know this is going to happen. 
but do not let me be the oh shit button. <laughs> you know, like let me be like this fun button over here mm-hmm. where you're like, let's plan together. Empowerment. It never happens that way. I've learned that. So. Unfortunately, too, that is very common. <laughs> yeah, you're in right. A lot of things. You're right. Like help comes when they you hit need the it. oh shit button. You need it. And I can't tell you how many groups of women I've said, don't let me be the oh shit button. But guess what? It's cool. I'm glad to be the oh shit button. If that's what I need to be. You know what? I'm when here. it does happen and you're there, that is huge. It's the most impactful. I can't even put into words. <clears throat> Gives how, you chills. Yes. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that I get to do this for a living. Like mm-hmm. it's just the biggest gift anyone has gifted me. Changing lives. Changing lives. Like, and I don't like to say that. Like I'm, you know, I change lives. I like to say I get to support women when they need it most. I get to tell them that there's a better way. I get to tell them that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Um, They're not alone. They're not alone. You know, I get to be that person and I get to wake up every day. I've gotten to wake up every day for six and a half years ready to create change. Like Mm -hmm. every day I have this checklist and the last thing I check off is affect change. Affect, like how am I going to affect change today? I could affect change today by meeting with you and one of your listeners, you know, who's struggling with postpartum depression, listens to this and reaches out to me. Mm -hmm. And all I need to do is just say, hey, me too. Yeah. And I know a lot of new moms that listen to the podcast. And I think, I mean, even for from a guy's perspective, Mm -hmm. this can really help. Have you had, so from the very beginning of your story, you talked about when your OB and your pediatrician said you have these, this word we're not going to talk about. Thank you. <laughs> have you tried to educate them more? Yes. Or get into their world a little yes, bit more? I have. Um, this is this is cool. So a lot of them have been my clients with the nanny bit, or a lot of them have asked me to come and talk to their moms. Um, and many, many, many of them are so open to providing an extra layer of support. And I think that we're seeing that on a whole. I think that's becoming more of a, um, a thing that many, many, many uh, medical professionals when dealing with women's health are talking mm-hmm. about. Right, because if they could just, like if you would have had so your, you know, your OB be like, you know what, what you're going through is extremely common and here are some amazing resources Absolutely. for you to use. Um, I feel like that could be an amazing switch. Like th- something that simple, mm-hmm. but so not, so significant. Without a doubt. And with, I, we've also talked about, obviously, your coaching and what you're doing, but you were mm-hmm. telling me beforehand, you have a new coaching bit. Right. That's going to be coming out. Yes. I want to talk about this a little bit. Okay. So what is it? Um. Okay. So, you know, I guess leading up to this, my stories have been... Um, consistent of, you know, helping moms plan, helping moms with postpartum, um, really, you know, going to the couples that are struggling in that moment. But this, this new stage of my coaching is going to be way more planned and way more thought out so that it's just going to be available. I think in the past I've had to cater, you know, how I handle and support each client based on like their individual needs, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. And I love that. But this new, roll out that you're going to see in February is going to be titled postpartum empowerment. Um, and that is what it sounds, but it's going to be an online, um, 
offering where there's going to be a lot of boxes that they can check, a lot of resources, a lot of information they might may not know is out there. But in addition to that, they can also schedule one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me. It could be a three-month block. It could be a six-month block. Um, and so, as mentioned, there will be a lot of information that are, is just going to be readily available to them. But there's also going to be the option for them to do a lot of one-on-one -on -one with me. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, you know, along with the postpartum empowerment is a lot of account accountability coaching, holding them accountable. Yeah. For what they say that they want to do and get done. Accountability is huge in a lot of aspects of the world. I'm a big fan of that word. Because <laughs> you're going to say you're going to do a lot of things, but if no one's there to keep you accountable, if you're not that unique person that can hold themselves accountable, you need somebody there with you. And what I think is amazing about this is, like you said beforehand, it was very individualized. You had yes. to work with these people on a daily basis. Your plan was very individualized yes. to them. This allows you to reach way more people. one million percent it allows for a really positive growth within my business model but it's also very attainable mm -hmm. so it's not anything that i won't be able to manage on a day-to-day -day basis so fast forward to uh, two years when they're two or three years old it's time for them to go to childcare. maybe mm -hmm. the mom's going back to work mm -hmm. i've noticed with some of my friends figuring out childcare and how to get them to the right child care oh my goodness yes. i don't have kids but i I can see the stress on their faces when they talk about it. It is such a point of stress for families. Um, I think that in every state, not just Greenville, every city, um, childcare right now is such a hot topic because no one can get into the one, you mm -hmm. know, the schools that they want to get into. Um, you know, what we've started to do with that, like we'll do it, we just call it like a referral fee where they kind of give us, you know, what it is that they're looking for schools and we'll just like give them a list. And I think for most families, um, they're the ones that are out of town that are working at Michelin, BMW, you know, a lot of the larger companies, they may even be out of the country. Um, we do those packages for them. And what do you do? So you bring them in, they come to you we looking give them, for a child care? Yeah, essentially. I mean, we could even call it you know, almost like a personality profile for the family. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of families are into the Montessori approach. A lot of families are into um, something that doesn't just feel like a daycare. You know, that's a big talking point right now. So what school's going to offer that? But we have to keep in mind, there's a budget. I what's mean, the difference? Doesn't... What's the difference? So there are a lot of different approaches. Um, for example, Montessori and Montessori approaches where you literally have children of different age groups hanging out together throughout the day and it's lead play rather than them getting um, a list of, you know, homework that they need to finish throughout the day. They are leading their own play. So you put a block in front of Johnny. Johnny's going to play with that block, build upon that block, figure out what he wants to do with that block. It's very, um, it's not as regimented as like a typical school environment. And that's a world I have no clue about. Um, but I can imagine in today's world. Uh, it's so overwhelming. There's so in so many approaches. And yes. this is the best way to do it. And yes. this is the best, better way to do well, it. Well, that's why I think, you know, for every chapter of parenthood, it can just be really hard because especially if it's your first time, you have no idea what the right and the wrong approach is mm -hmm. with your child. You're still trying to get to know your child. Live Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Engineered Sleep. 
Engineered Sleep is a mattress manufacturer, and they are based out of Greenville, South Carolina. They have been making mattresses for as long as I can remember, and their main goal is to make finding the quality mattress for you as easy as possible. Um, they have a showroom in Greenville, but you can also visit them at their website, engineeredsleep.com. If you go to their website, use code LIV10, and you will get 10% off. As you guys know, sleep is the number one thing you need to focus on for good health. And it all starts with your mattress. So stop putting it on the back burner. Go get yourself a mattress from Engineered Sleep and start living a better life. Switching to the husband. Yeah. To the guy's approach to this, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, going through just talking with you and doing some research. I mean, it's kind of amazing that I didn't know. I mean, I've heard of postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. um, I think it has been more talked about. Um, some celebrities have come out and mm -hmm. talked about it a little bit more. But from a husband and a partner, what could we do better? I think that everyone is as good as the information and the knowledge that they have on that particular topic, right? So I think that while the mom is preparing for the baby to arrive, the husband needs to be meeting her in the middle with that and also doing his due diligence. With postpartum depression, unfortunately, it's not gotten to a place where the husband and wife are at the bait, you know, at these appointments meeting with the OB, measuring, you know, the weight and um, the the length of the baby. I wish that it got to this place where during those appointments, the OB was saying, "Hey, this is what you need to look out for. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this? Your wife may experience A, B, C, and D." Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think just being more proactive in general with paying attention to your wife which women don't necessarily let you do when when the baby's home because they're so consumed with the baby but i think just paying attention to her cues and if you're close to her which you are you're going to start recognizing from a really early stage that she's not herself and instead of just like letting her figure it out gently giving her some resources that maybe she mm -hmm. can start really looking into do you know if there's a place men can go to get some help like that there is not a or place some resources um there is not a place um i've done that with some couples you know i, I don't know a place that does that there are certain um, baby prep classes that i know uh, ghs hosts where you're like preparing for baby and it's a couple's you know commitment um, but i'm not sure what they touch on and I'm not sure about what they don't touch on. I think what the most one of the most important things guys could do is just have more understanding. I think you're so and right. Compassion, being involved, involvement. I don't think men are raised, and it's getting a lot better. But I don't think men were always raised to be heavily involved with their wife on a day to day basis in her emotions. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of men are scared of their wives' emotions. <laughs> you know, I think that's just a thing. Um, I think we can be extremely different in the way that we handle things which at times can create a really big wedge mm -hmm. um but yeah i think you know just being close to her and paying attention to her cues and doing more 
you know, podcasts like this, like let's talk about mental health. What are the signs when someone's suffering? What yeah. to look for? And as a partner, what do you need to do to be a very good supportive partner in those moments? And also not being afraid to speak up and just ask. Yes, which for whatever reason, men are afraid. Mm -hmm. They really are. They're afraid of the answer. Because I think they, <laughs> A, that's a lot of work, right? Or B, they're going to get their heads bit off. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, again, I'm an angry, when I'm sad, I'm angry. Some women just cry and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I know she's upset. No one knows I'm, I'm just pissed off. Mm -hmm. So I think with my husband, he's like, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but you've got to get over that. You've got to get over that. With, um, you know, I have a few more questions. Yeah. And as we're wrapping up, you mentioned something as a checklist. Mm -hmm. Do you have a daily routine you go through? I have a daily routine. Let me hear it. Oh, goodness. I will say January threw that to the wayside. <laughs> I got COVID. Family got COVID. School canceled. Um, it really threw me for a loop. But the cool thing is, is that I have this to go back to, right? Mm -hmm. That's a really cool feeling. Um, I get up. I have my cup of coffee. I try to get up before the kids are up. That's a big thing I tell all my mom clients. Okay. Get up before the kids are up. Because if you're getting up with the kids, it is crazy. All hell is breaking loose. And you're not going to handle it that well. You don't have any time for yourself. No, you're just not going to be the best version of yourself. So I try to get up, even if it's like 30 minutes before the kids, have my coffee, set my intentions for the day. That's what I call it. What are my intentions for the day? I do a brain dump at night, just of all the things that I know I need to get done mm -hmm. the next day. But in the morning, it's what are my intentions for the day? What is one thing I'm grateful for? And that's how I start my day. And by the time that's done, I am in a total Zen AF mode and I'm like, bring it. You know what Satan, you gotta do. Satan, bring it. And my <laughs> kids wake up, we have the breakfast, they go to school. Um, but that's a huge part of my day and why it's successful. Was there any form of like nutrition or exercise that mm -hmm. you incorporate? Yes. So I used to be this crazy workoutaholic, <laughs> and I don't think that's a good look for anyone, um, <laughs> especially moms, because you have to be really honest with yourself. If you don't want to get up at 4.35, which I'm not a 5 a.m.er, mm -hmm. I'm just not. You need sleep, by the way. So Thank you. You need the sleep. Um, and maybe when my kids are older, I'll be a 5 a.m. but I'm not right now. So what I commit to every day is 20 minutes of movement. And it could be more. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's an hour. But I will put a podcast in. I will run around my block. I'll fast walk around my block. 20 minutes of movement. That's mm -hmm. it. And I think that simplifying all of this for moms especially is the way to go. Mm -hmm. I don't feel guilty if it's 20 and I'm, I've walked for 20. I feel great. I'm like, yeah. I committed to myself today. I did it. Um, yeah, that's a huge part of my routine. I also, during the day, I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but I'm a firm believer in fasting until noon. Okay. Are you a seven hour, six hour window? Seven. Seven hour. But I think, again, like to your point, like with just what does your day look like and how regimented are you? I think every little thing that I can commit to during the day and that I accomplish, mm -hmm. You know, by the time I'm in bed at night, I'm like, high five. Yeah. I did it. And you mentioned earlier you do a brain dump. That's a huge thing for sleep. And I cannot, I don't know, but I can imagine being a mother and having the kids, what they have going on the next day and all yes. these things going on. If all you the can things. just 
get that out of your brain mm -hmm. onto a piece of paper. I know it'll probably help you help you sleep and get off the damn screen. <laughs> yes. Get off the screen. I used to scroll. Oh my goodness. So I'm reading this book, the 40 day social media detox right now. <laughs> it's changed my life. I've not completely detoxed from social media. I use it for my business a lot, but it's changed my life. But you know, they start out saying, we're going to state the obvious here. Probably not a great idea for you to scroll on your mm -hmm. phone before you go to bed. You're going to feel all these feelings. Yeah. You're going to be staring at that light, you know? So even that, like do a brain dump, go to bed. Have you seen the social dilemma? Yeah. No, I don't want to. Have you? Yes. It terrifies me. It's scary. <laughs> I think the one thing that terrifies me the most, I mean, we could go on and on about this one, but if I'm like looking some at something and then it like pops up on an, I'm like, whoa, whoa, who, where are you? I was you? <clears throat> just listening to a podcast about Google and the amount of control Google has on us. <laughs> and it is. Have you done a podcast about that? You need to do one. No, I don't I've even tried know. to get the social dilemma team on and Netflix hasn't allowed them on. So. Oh my goodness. Well, you need to keep working. Well, you want to talk one, about that would be very interesting. Kids, I mean, it is huge in uh, females from I think eight to sixteen. So how do you navigate that? I think as a parent, you know, my daughter's seven. She FaceTimes her besties. She loves that, and I, I even struggle with that. You know, I'm like she, she can't be accessible all the time, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I dread the day. I dread the day that she knows what social media is and she has it. And that's something that will be very hard for me because I think the minute that you hand your child the phone and you give them access, their mental health declines significantly. Mm -hmm. There's no question. And you mentioned earlier with the mom seeing the Instagram moms recover and fit into their genes a couple weeks later. That's, I mean, you have a 12 year old male or female looking at these individuals with filters and I mean, it totally changes their mind on the way they should look. Which it's so unrealistic. It is. It's so unrealistic. Social it's, media is is not realistic. It's not real. <laughs> how do you navigate it? Like, how do you navigate social media? Um, I do have a timer on my phone. Okay. Um, so like it allows that. me, whenever I've spent 30 minutes on Instagram yeah. in a day, it tells me. Okay. So then I can get okay. off. Um, that's good. That's we do very have, good self-control. Yes. It, so a timer is good because then you know it's like, I've there's no my question. Limit. I'm off. I know I've been here for wow. 30 minutes. Okay. Um, we do a lot too. I mean, sleep, like you mentioned at the very mm -hmm. beginning, and when you were talking about uh, the signs of, you know, depression and anxiety and all that stuff, sleep can be could be the number one cause of that. You know, um, I mean. I think in anyone's life, you know, with a mom, you go from sleeping to literally not sleeping mm -hmm. and you truly can start hallucinating. I mean, it's it's a mind screw in itself. And there's a lot of things you can do with changing the light on your TV or yes. your phone. If you can put it away, we have dimmers on all of our lights. I love that. So we put our lights down, you know, around if you can do it. 90 minutes before you go to bed. So you're very, you're a very mindful household Yes. about that. That's amazing. And we've learned a lot. I mean, we've, we're both in like the fitness space. Yeah. Um, but I think the number one thing we can all improve on is sleep. I agree with that. Um, but so many people, you know, take pride in sleeping five hours a night. Like, you know what I always say? Martyrdom is dead. <laughs> it is dead. It is a lie. It, it is. lies. It's a liar. Um, all right. So the last thing. Yeah, let's do it. And this is your, if all the moms listening to this, mm -hmm. all the dads listening to this, all the 
moms thinking about possibly being moms or females thinking about getting pregnant, what is your message to them today? Thinking about getting pregnant? No, or if they're a mom or if they're going through postpartum depression or just a female in general. Right. Oh my goodness. I mean, I think that my message to people in general as parents would be to prioritize your mental health. Make it a job. Make it a daily priority. Build everything around that. That involves who you spend your time with, mm -hmm. what words come out of your mouth, where your energy goes, every decision that you make. Ask yourself, how will this affect my mental health? And I think that if you can live a life built around taking care of yourself and building who you want to be from the inside out, everything else is going to be way more mm -hmm. manageable. What I see happen with parents is the polar opposite of that, where they are martyrs. They do feel like, oh, they have to be busy. They have to be making all the meals. They have to be cleaning the house. When you get on the phone with them, they have to tell you about everything they did that day and how tired they are. That, it, it, in their minds, is a badge of honor. Busy is mm -hmm. not a badge of honor. It's never going to be, and it will never serve you. With um, the moms that are listening that might be going through this and they feel alone, how can they reach out to you? Oh, my goodness. Um, so I've got the website. It's www.thepeaceofmindproject.co. Um, my phone number, 864-320-8049. Call me. Mm -hmm. And I mean that. Yeah, and we'll list all this in awesome. the show notes, Yeah, your website, your Instagram handles. And I do. Anybody listening and they think they might be going through this, just reach out. Just reach out. Like right? even if you're, if you, you know, are struggling waking up in the morning and you're thinking, oh, it's just the hormones or it's, you know, just my new meds. It could be something that if you catch it early on, it won't grow into this big monster mm -hmm. that you won't be able to tackle. Right. It doesn't have to be the panic button. It doesn't. Um, and we're also starting a new um, like outreach project called the Lighthouse Effect. Mm -hmm. um, so we will start hosting a lot of events for moms of all stages. So the events will be focused around expectant mothers. The events will be focused around the moms that are, you know, three to four months postpartum moms of toddlers, moms of, you know, elementary school age children. Um, that is something we're working on launching in February as well. And I have two amazing women who are moms who actually just came to me to meet with me for coffee. And we ended up creating this together, but they're going to be the ones that are going to be hosting this. Amazing. So it's almost like a com community-based outreach, outreach therapy, it one million Talking percent sessions. is. I mean, it will be like, let's go paint our feelings or let's mm -hmm. go have champagne and do yoga. Yeah. It's going to be events where you can just escape for an hour and not be mom. Well, Amber, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. We can do this again in a couple months. Yeah, or I would a love year that. And get updates. But again, thank you for coming. The conversation is incredibly meaningful and powerful to people to hear. You have educated me a ton today. Good. Good. And um, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, click subscribe on your listening platform for upcoming conversations.